Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Kate Warman. Kate is the author of Thank You for Rejecting Me, and she's on the show today offering practical tools to help us heal from the past, walk in strength, and love in the future. I can't wait for you to hear today's conversation with Kate. Hello, Kate. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. Hi, Rachel. So excited to be here. Thank you. I, I, yeah, I'm excited that you are here. We've um, you're a Los Angeles, California girl, and we were just talking before this. The I was like, oh, I'm cold. I'm drinking my coffee because it's like cold here, and you're like, well, I'm drinking my coffee because um, it's uh, morning. And yes. I'm just waking up, and there's not a cloud in the sky. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, hello. It's morning time. Oh my gosh. Actually, as you said that, the sun just peeked through my window. I'm like, hello, sunshine. (laughs) We love it out here with the sun. (laughs) Well, so I'm excited about the topic of your book. And it's it's interesting because it's not really a positive topic, but you have created (laughs) such a positive spin on it. And and I've never had anybody on the show to talk about this, even after uh, three seasons. So, um. You have written a book called Thank You for Rejecting Me. Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us can relate to being rejected at one time or another in our lives, whether it's like from a parental figure or a friend or a significant other. So I'd love for you just to begin today's conversation with telling us about like, what was your specific root of rejection that made you want to write this? Yeah. So I wouldn't even say it's one root. You know, I think that when you say the word rejection, it conjures up lots of different things for lots of different people. And so I say rejection and then whoever's listening right now, just think what comes to mind. Is it just a feeling? Is it a memory? Is it one specific instance, either from the past or from recently? And when I was thinking about rejection in my life, I realized that it wasn't just something like heartbreak, even though that's probably an obvious form of rejection. I think rejection can conjure up a lot of memories from so many different areas of our life. And when I analyze my life, and as I walk alongside men and women in their single and dating lives, I realized, man, I love helping people get out there, put themselves out there, meet people as a dating coach. I love to do that. But oftentimes when I'm coaching them, we really have to go to the root below that, which is what is your relationship with yourself and what is your relationship with God? And so many times when I was coaching these men and women, I would see that a lot of times their relationship with God was, you know, a little bit off or their, and especially their relationship with themselves. And when I got under the layers with them, it really was, there was some sort of rejections plaguing their life that twisted the way they saw God, twisted the way they saw themselves, and then therefore was limiting them wanting to put themselves out there. Now, of course, I'm speaking in a dating sense, but really I wrote this book not just from a dating sense because honestly, so many rejections in our lives don't even have to do with dating. Like we can feel abandoned from our parents. We can feel left out or misunderstood by a friend. We can feel uninvited. We could feel... Uh, sexually shamed. We uh, There's also ways that we could feel rejected through work, feeling like a failure, closed doors in our life. And then of course, there's also ways in which we self-reject. Uh, so there's like a plethora of times where we reject ourselves before other people have a chance. And when I saw this while I was being, a, while doing my dating coaching, I realized, man, I have such a passion to help people walk through this um, and identify the ways rejection has held them back in order to allow them to step into the fullness of their identity. And as I was doing this, I realized 
wow, it's just more than that. It's also my story. Like the reason I have so much passion to help people within that area is because I've been rejected so many times. And uh, that has been my testimony. In fact, me even starting this podcast that I do today called The Heart of Dating, it started in the wake of a rejection. I was heartbroken. I was broken up with. And then I started this podcast. And so I realized, oh my gosh, rejection has really plagued me in negative ways. However, when I have gone in to heal it, to deal with it, to um, press through it, I've seen how God has redeemed it in my life. And so uh, I'm excited about this book because I believe that it spans beyond just a single person. It spans to so many people and women who have experienced the depth of rejection and maybe even are experiencing rejection just within themselves and how they reject themselves today. Uh, And rejection is something, you know, that we will experience for the rest of our life. So I hope to come alongside women and men to say, hey, what can we do to fight for ourselves in the future? Because rejection, we cannot control. We can only control the rejections internally. We can't control external rejections. So how are we going to fight for ourselves and have better tools, stronger tools to to be able to conquer and face those rejections with resilience in the future? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that's what I love so much about this concept is like you've been able to reframe rejection into something positive, mm. which is amazing to me because not not many of us would be like, thank you so much for rejecting me. Yeah, <laughs> That's not something that I imagine coming out of my mouth. Right. Well, I, yeah. a thing there too is, you know, I don't think that's immediately what we say. I don't think in, when a rejection happens, I'm not saying that immediately you're going to say to them, well, thank you for rejecting me. I mean, <laughs> right. thank you. You know, if we yeah. did that, that's probably in that moment, our pride and ego coming out and being like, I'm fine. Thank you. You know, <laughs> but the message of the book is really that you will find yourself thinking rejection in some way, shape or form through time as you press through and heal through it. Because I believe that God allows pain in our life for a reason. He's not a bad God. He's a good God. He is so kind to us. And sometimes in the moments of rejection, it doesn't feel that way. But through time, we will see how God redeems that rejection in our life in some form or fashion. It may not be how we expect. It may not mean that you, if you're dating someone and it ends, it may not mean that you get back with that person that may not be the redemption of the rejection but that heartbreak potentially could lead you to discovering a passion within your heart that leads you in a totally different direction in life or that heartbreak may reveal more things about yourself that you didn't know that you now understand yourself better or maybe it leads you to understand what you want in a relationship more so in some form or fashion through time as we press through and heal through rejections we'll be able to see why that rejection was in some way a gift to our lives. Uh, And that's not to compartmentalize and and say yet again, that rejection can feel hard and painful in the moment, but through time, there will be some sort of gift attached to that rejection. (laughs) You know, something you brought up just briefly was this topic of Mm self-rejection. And that's something, honestly, I had never truly considered before. So Can you walk us through the ways that you've rejected yourself Mm -hmm. and then how you have reckoned with that? Yeah. So I felt it really important to include this in the book. The first two chapters of the book start with self-rejections. I'm like, before we conquer external rejections, y'all, we got to go in the ways in which we self-reject. Because let's say, let's give, I'll give you an example, Rachel. If I'm telling myself I'm not beautiful, 
I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm not desirable. And then I step out there, I, I go on a date with a guy, and it doesn't go well. Um, he's not interested, or maybe it goes well, but he's not interested. It goes well to me, but he's not interested, right? Then after that, because I've self-rejected, if after that date, he's not interested, he doesn't want to continue forward, immediately, I'm going into my head and it's those lies are clinging on to me, like nobody's business. And I say to myself, well, it's because you're not pretty enough, Kate. Oh, well, it's because you gained weight this year. Oh, well, it's because you're not really that desirable. And so if some, so basically then external rejections become a self-fulfilling prophecy of what we already believe about ourselves. So if we want rejection to have less of a sting, we have to be able to first go into this ways we're self-rejecting. Otherwise we'll get stuck. We'll get stuck in, in victim mentality. We'll get stuck in a self-fulfilling prophecy. We won't even take risks or put ourselves out there. We'll be stuck in fear. And this was so my life. Like I was like, what can I do to mitigate risk in my life with rejection? Because I'm too fearful of somebody rejecting me or getting a no, uh, because that, what of that, what uh, that will mean for myself and what lies that will bring for me in my own mind. The biggest ways I've self-rejected is one of the ways I just said, which is through body shame and body image. And I share stories in the book about how, you know, years ago, my body started changing and um, in my mid twenties, I'm in my thirties now. And I was, I did not know what stress was (laughs) and I was kind of naive to that. And I worked a lot and I was a workaholic and because I wasn't sleeping that well and because I was stressed, it just piled on top of each other to create some imbalances and hormonal issues in my body. And so I went through a season of my life where I started gaining weight unexpectedly and uncontrollably. Nothing in my life was changing. My food, my diet, my, you know, my exercise was not changing, but my body weight was changing. And it created a slew of insecurities within me. I was like, oh my gosh, like what's wrong with my body? Why am I gaining weight? Why am I suddenly this much heavier? I started comparing myself to previous versions of myself and I got in this terrible crippling habit of, you know, getting on diet pills and waking up every morning, looking in the mirror, like, is anything changed? I'd lift up my shirt and I would analyze myself. And if I didn't see something that made me feel good, I would basically that whole day would be terrible for me because I would just go into that day, not feeling as confident. I would go into that day, not showing up confidently and just my conversations, my relationships, even in work. And it would really be such a toxic route that impacted me in so many areas. It became so crippling for me, especially being addicted to diet pills and seeing absolutely no change. I started, you know, actually, it it ended up having worse habits in my life. I ended up stop, I ended up not going out as much because in the evening, if I, if I thought I was bloated or if I thought my body didn't look good, I didn't want to go out because I didn't want people to see me like that. And I didn't want to go out because I didn't want to risk anyone taking a photo of me and it being on the internet where somebody could see that I had gained weight. I was so obsessed with this image and shamed myself so much entirely with my body that um, nobody, not, no, not a person on the planet could make me even feel good about myself. Like I was just shaming myself to no end. Anybody could say, you look beautiful. I wouldn't believe it because I, because I was already telling myself these terrible messages. Um, and so I really had to address what is this root of body shame? What is this root of insecurity? Because it became such, uh, uh, 
uh, it had such a stronghold over me that it literally separated me from being present, from having true connection with people, even in friendships, you know? And so I realized that over time, man, like this is really toxic in my life. Like I can't even focus when I'm looking at somebody in the eye because I'm thinking that they're looking at me and noticing that I've gained weight. Um, and it is just separating me from connection and intimacy and things that I actually do desire. And in fact, Rachel, I think body shame, um, this is just one of the two self rejections I talk about in the book, but I think body shame is one of the biggest issues universally. Um, and in my book, I share the statistic that 90% of women are actually unsatisfied with their bodies and in some way, yeah, shape or form. Them. Yeah. And so, it, and yeah. this affects so much, like I'm a dating coach. So it affects how you show up when you talk to guys, when you go on a date with guys, but it, if you're married or if you're just, if you're, you know, what in a relationship, it affects you in those cases as well. <laughs> and it affects you outside of your intimate relationships. It affects you in work. It affects your ability to want to step out there because body shame says you're not enough, enough you're not desirable. And it, and it basically stops you from being confident. It removes you from a sense of true innate beauty and confidence and seeing yourself and your body in the same way that God sees you. And so self-rejection will, in, in such a form as body shame, will impact and infiltrate so many areas of your life. And then lastly, in chapter two of the book, I talk about self-hatred. And self-hatred is a thing where, you know, maybe you don't hate yourself entirely, like you're not swimming in the waters of self-hatred, like a giant pool, but maybe you are dipping your toes in self-hatred consistently. And what that looks like is just the ways in which we shame ourselves. Uh, this could be through body shame, but this could also be through a myriad of other ways. Uh, for example, for me, I'm very expressive. I love to be, you know, girly and I'm expressive and, and sometimes I'm loud and if I enter into an environment in which I'm too loud and then I'm like, oh gosh, immediately in my head, I'm like, you shouldn't have been so loud, Kate. Why'd you do that? You know better. Like, you know that like you've got all these messaging from your childhood that said you shouldn't be loud. Why did you do that? Like, they're not going to like you now. They're going to shun you. You shouldn't have done that. You know better. My gosh, what a self-hating, self-loathing mentality. And what I found is that we are our own worst bullies. Uh, in so many ways, through the ways we think about ourselves. And if we don't transform and find ways to have compassion for ourselves, we will limit ourselves from being able to step in the true fullness of who God so uniquely and beautifully and perfectly created us to be. So those are just a few ways in which I've experienced self-rejection and um, in which I also believe so many other people experience rejection in those ways too. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I mean, just being honest, I've had so many of those thoughts as well, like you're not smart enough, or you're not yes. pretty enough, or you're not eloquent enough, or, or whatever. And so that can be very, very limiting. And so I love that. And, and even just the way that you said that about we're almost bullying ourselves, and we've just got to give ourselves some grace and then fill ourselves up with the, the truths that God says about us, or, or we will get stuck yes. in that. And, and something that I'd love um, for you to also just talk about because we talked about this this mm -hmm. self-rejection but I think you know this outward rejection even with like within our workplaces or our ability they're just there's so many pressures mm -hmm. and um and like even I know that's what's true for me in in like the writing world I've, I've been told oh, no a yes. lot but um you actually say that failure is important and mm. being and so is being yeah. told no yeah 
so so dive into that yeah I mean we can take a step like a bird's eye view for a second and if we as Christians look at the Bible and how God frames failure in the Bible there is so much failure happening all over the place (laughs) people try things and they get told no they get rejected they fail and I believe that God wants us to experience failure in some ways because it allows us to pursue it allows us to claim it gives us an well it doesn't allow us it gives us an opportunity to choose to persevere, to choose to be steadfast, to choose endurance. And when I think of first James in the Bible, it says, consider it, pers- uh, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because it produces steadfastness, because it produces perseverance. And God wants us to persevere because in this life, even as Christians, we are not promised a life without pain, without hardship, without sin, without chaos we aren't promised that at all we don't become a christian and then we transport to a land of like a candy land type version of life we are literally in (laughs) this fallen world and because of that we have to learn steadfastness and perseverance and then we look at characters in the bible i'm like my goodness like Jesus, for example, had to have so much perseverance, so much steadfastness. If we're talking about rejection, like he experienced the ultimate rejection from humanity and he had to persevere. He had to be steadfast. He had to cling on to God's mission for his life. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't have moments. We can look at the Garden of Gethsemane and look at how that was difficult for him. You know, like it still was heartbreaking. It still was hard. He still had moments of wrestling with God, but he clung to perseverance. I mean, we forget Jesus was God, but he was man. And so with man, being a man, it still impacted him. It wasn't like he was robotic. You know, he had feelings and he experienced the weight of rejection and the depth of grief that comes with rejection. And I believe that being told no is an amazing opportunity to press into perseverance. Uh, When it comes to things like work, uh, being told no is such a great opportunity to reflect on, okay, um, is this a pause moment for me? Is, do I have to reflect on maybe this isn't the best job for me or the best school for me um, and ask, invite God into that? You know, your rejection, it's telling you something. It, it's redirecting you potentially. Uh, or you reflect in that moment. Okay, I was told no. Do I really feel like God is calling me to this job, to this school, to this whatever? Okay, if that's a yes what can I do to persevere and press forward then? This no doesn't mean that it's a no here. It it could be a no for now. It could be a not yet, you know, or it could be a way to redirect to something greater. Uh, And I love that about uh, failure, quote unquote, or being told no, because it can redirect us to something we never thought possible. And maybe this is happening in a job, but maybe this is also happening in a relationship. You go through a heartbreak, somebody tells you no, and oh my gosh, well, now I'm redirected to something even better potentially in life. I don't see it right away, but if I persevere, if I don't allow the lies of that rejection to come and eat me alive, then I can press through and be open to what God is, what path he has me on next. I think though, no's honestly, as an entrepreneur myself, um, I think no's are sometimes the best thing for me because it shows me, okay. Um, it gives me a taste of humble pie. Uh, I think I can do it all. And I realize like, I can't always do it all. Um, I'm going to get it wrong. And that's okay. Like sometimes it is God calling me to press through and continue persevering. Even if people are telling me no, or is God saying, you know what, this, your efforts are seen my daughter, but I'm redirecting you here. 
And so don't feel bad about it. You learned something through this failure, but I'm redirecting you here. So I love failure, honestly, because it really helps to persevere. <laughs> um, and I think yeah. that's a life mm-hmm. skill that we all need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you do words of the year, but persevere was yes. my last year's word. And then this year is faithfully. So I almost think it's like the continuation of a similar idea. It's like, just, just be yes. faithful in the process and so just trust good. me, you know? Um, you know, I think obviously when we are rejected, it is yeah. heartbreaking. I mean, that's, there's, there's truth to that and we can feel that. But I also think for me, as I kind of reflect back on the rejections in my life, it does typically, if we allow it to, and we choose to draw us closer yes. to the heart of God. And so I would love to just hear how you have seen God show up in the midst of your deepest rejections. So really, honestly, sometimes my moments with God in rejection look like me crying and screaming and bargaining with God and having a moment where I just am not for it. You know, Um, I don't, a rejection doesn't, I don't want to make it seem like a rejection happens. And I'm like, thanks God. That's great. Like, I'm so thankful for that happening. Like, <laughs> like it, this happens through time. In the moment of the rejection, I'm like going to God and being like, what the bump? Why did this happen? <laughs> like, or I'm like, what the bump, God, this hurts. What the bump? Like, I am so frustrated. I am heartbroken. And I think that's important though. My, my What I share in the book is like, hey, God is with you in your pain. He is not a bad God. He is a kind God. And he's not causing the pain, but he allows it for some reason. And that some reason is maybe not going to be revealed to you right away. He will reveal that purpose through time. So in the book, I talk about this concept in chapter 11 about grieving hopefully. And I think it's so important that we think about this. How do you grieve, which means experiencing the depth of emotion, going through the five stages of grief, allowing yourself to feel the feels, which can include anger. It can include bargaining. It can include sadness and depression. It can include even denial. Like this didn't happen. This is not going to happen. If we're going to get back together or this, they're going to change their mind, whatever. And it could also, you know, it, so we can go through those five stages of grief And we can also find a way to cling to hope. And this is really important. So God wants us to experience the motion. He wants us to go through the layers of grief with him, lamenting with God. We look at the Psalms. We see two thirds of the Psalms are lament, which gives us permission to cry and scream and groan and do whatever we need to do. I think that's so important in this process. We need to be honest about our feelings and our emotions, and we need to invite God into those spaces with us. So we, we grieve with God, but we also at the same time, don't allow ourselves to get stuck in some of those stages of grief. What I mean by that is if you're feeling angry, you allow yourself to feel the anger. But if you are feeling angry for weeks on end, this is going to be a problem for you. We want to be able to move through the stages of grief like a wave. You know, you want to go through them like a wave. And as you go through them and move through them with God, you cling to hope. And the the way you're able to do that is because You can look at God's character in the Bible and you can look knowing that hope is not um, the absence of pain, but hope is an expectation of future good, knowing that God's character will come through and that he will redeem this through time. So 
That is how I've seen God come through for me is wrestling with God, allowing him to be in the spaces with me, but also simultaneously clinging to a hope saying, God, this doesn't make sense. I don't know why I'm so hurt. I wish this was different. I'm frustrated. And I know through time you will redeem this in some way. I have no idea what that looks like, but I will put my trust in the fact that you will redeem this in your timing. And I thank you in advance for that. And I will cling to that hope. So for me, that is the way, Rachel, that I've been able to move through rejection. It's not compartmentalizing my feelings or emotions. It's giving myself permission to feel them being real with the people in my life that I'm feeling them and I'm having a hard time and also simultaneously finding ways to grip onto hope to say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust that you will. I know that you will. And it's so important that we do both. It's so important that we grieve and we grieve hopefully. Um, and I just am sitting here today to say like, if it's possible to do that. Like, I want to encourage people that you can do that. You do not have to be stuck in victim. You don't have to be stuck in grief. You can grieve and allow yourself to do that. And you can find a way to cling to hope. It's both. Um, and so doing this in the wakes of, in the wake of my rejections have transformed how I've allowed God to show up in my life. Because then when something incredible does happen, I have more eyes to see it, appreciate it and experience um, blessing through it. You know, sometimes when we're stuck in victim, if even a small good thing happens, we don't even see it. We don't even give weight to it because we're so stuck in this victim sucking uh, scarcity mindset, you know, and so allowing myself to grieve, but grieve hopefully allows me to experience both the depths of my pain, but also the the great lengths that my joy can also be experienced at the same time. Um, uh, that's that such a good distinction. I love, mm -hmm. I love that grief, hopefully. Um, you know, something, I think it's kind of a, a recent term that a lot of people are using, yes. like this cancel culture. And, you know, and I think honestly, and just on this the whole topic of rejection, we as people and me included, it's like, okay, if this isn't working or this relationship isn't working now, I'm kind of just done with this person. <laughs> I'm just done. You know, I'm going to throw away the relationship and just, why do you think, what do you think is going on with us as a people group in general? Why we're just so apt to just, yeah. I mean, do you have anything that you've noticed, you know? Yeah, in, in I think sense? that we need more compassion. Um, and I think we just, we don't like yeah. to live in obscurity. Yeah. We don't like to live in the uncomfortable. Um, we want it to be comfortable and we want black and white answers. And I think even as Christians, we want that. You know, I talk in my book about sex and the purity culture. And there's a lot of things that we like black and white answers on. But actually, there's a lot of things that are gray. And we have to learn to live in in the gray. I think cancel culture is like a, a way to like not live in the gray. It's to, a way to make it black and white, you know, and it, that's more palatable for us in a lot of ways. But I think God calls us to live in the gray, which means we have to live in the obscurity and we have to live in the uncomfortable and challenge ourselves to have compassion for ourselves and compassion for other people. I think one of the biggest antidotes to uh, hatred in society is being able to find compassion for others, to seek to understand, to get curious. Hey, I don't believe in what they're saying. I don't believe, I, I don't think they should have rejected me. I don't believe they should have treated me this way, but is there a way I can find compassion for maybe why they believe that, why they showed up that way, why they reject me? 
And maybe it's not right away, but I think through time, we need to challenge ourselves to find compassion for those people. For example, um, I talk in the book about abuse and uh, it was a really heavy subject, of course, but um, I will never say thank you for rejecting me to my abuser. Absolutely not. Um, he hurt me and in really terrible, horrific ways. And, you know, I did not deserve that. And anybody who's been through abuse did not deserve that. However, at the same time, God has worked on my heart to heal through that and revealed deeper parts of myself that I really needed to connect to. And now years later, it's been about, wow, eight or so years since that time. Um, what I've been able to do through going through the layers, and this is through time, is I've able to look back and say, wow, you know, maybe there's a way that I can compassionately be curious just with myself, my therapist and God to say, why did that person show up that way to me? Um, now that I've done the healing of my heart in many ways, is there ways that I can find compassion for the toxic and horrific ways that he treated me? And so in doing that, it allows me to stop just canceling him by being like, he's the worst. He's the devil. Like he's, we like to demonize people a lot. And he did, again, he did terrible, terrible things, but I don't think by me dehumanizing him or just like plopping a terrible label on him that that's going to help my heart or help the world. So for me, it's been really important to find ways to say, man, I wonder what it looks like to have compassion in some capacity for him, um, just in my own heart. And when I've done that and worked through that with my therapist, I found ways to say, wow, like he, I remember things that he shared with me about his upbringing or things that he went through and I can see how those things probably impacted the way he was abusive and narcissistic and showed up, you know, and doesn't make it right. We're not saying it's right, <laughs> but it does make me allow me to enter right. into a form of compassion that removes toxicity and removes this resentment from my heart. A lot of times when we get rejected, especially relationally, we just like, we go one of two directions. We either blame ourselves entirely, or we blame that person entirely. And we want to cancel them. And we want to think terrible things about them. <laughs> but over time, those will only create really toxic roots in your heart of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And so, yeah, I mean, in general, I think the way to process cancel culture is to live in obscurity and to find ways through time to have compassion for people who maybe have treated you terribly slash have totally different beliefs than you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really, really good advice. And I think it's, it's a lot of times for me, that's like things I can't do in my own fleshly nature. But as you talked about, like the therapy helps, friendships help. And, and even like the Holy spirit in us, like sometimes it's not mm -hmm. even in our own strength that we can do it, but like we've, we've got to have the Lord, um, uh, as our hope to, to work through all these emotions yes. and feelings and circumstances. Um, okay. So I'd love to know if, if I, is it safe to assume, do you think that opposition, like the opposite of, mm. I'm sorry, the opposite of rejection mm. is belonging. Like, like how, how do you recommend that we discover like true belonging mm. that can never be taken Yeah. I away? think the opposite of rejection. Yeah. Is belonging acceptance, but what does acceptance even mean? You know, what does belonging even mean? So we got to break that down. Um, I talk about yeah, belonging yeah. really specifically in chapter four of my book, which is called Sorry, Not Sorry. And I love this chapter because I think it's so important to um, think about who we're belonging to. 
and and why we're belonging to whatever mm-hmm. that thing is or who we're trying to belong to right um at the end of the day we we spend a lot of our lives myself included trying to morph and shape and become what society tells us to be what the church tells us to be what a friend group tells us to be and what social media tells us to be and in doing all of those things and trying to what i like to say fit in that's more fitting in than belonging we're trying to fit in with all these different narratives and in doing that we're abandoning our own identities and how god uniquely and beautifully created us and so i think the journey to really belonging is to first belong to yourself and what is that look like belonging to yourself means knowing and coming to terms with the way that God uniquely and beautifully crafted you. Uh, We are all like little snowflakes falling from the sky that God has placed here on earth. And in that snowflake, if you look at a snowflake, there's so many different intricate parts of that snowflake, you know, like each snowflake is every snowflake is created differently and is beautiful in its own way. And it's, it's magical. If you really look at a snowflake, it's so cool how there's so many little parts of it. And that has, is how God has uniquely and perfectly formed and fashioned us. Rejection likes to take that away. Rejection likes to say this part of you, it's not accepted. This part of you, you need to change. This part of you is ugly. This part of you is fat. This part of you is uninteresting. And that's what rejection likes to do. But in order to really combat rejection, one of the ways we really do that is by finding belonging in ourselves, knowing the things that make us truly beautiful and and not uh, changing those for the sake of anybody else. And of course, I want to make a clarity moment that this is not to say you're not going to take ownership for things that are toxic or bad habits that you have or any ways in which you are actually mean to somebody uh, because I do find sometimes we can live in a zone of, well, this is just how I am, take it or leave it. And I think that that's not exactly the mentality I'm seeking to encourage people through um, because if you're hurting people or if there's roots of toxicity in your life or in health, those need to be addressed. But I'm talking about the unique, beautiful things about your personality that you're trying to shape and morph for acceptance of other people, for acceptance of man. Because ultimately you fear rejection, right? So how do we do that? I think one of the things we do is we just ask God, like, God, how did you uniquely form me? How did you uniquely create me? What are the passions you put in my heart? What stands, what makes me stand out from other people? Will you reveal that to me? Like the things that you love about me? And as you're doing this, um, if you're having troubles, what I love to suggest is ask a friend, ask one of your best friends honestly, because your best friend is friends with you for a reason. Our friends don't have to be friends with us. <laughs> they are choosing to be for some reason. So ask <laughs> right. a friend like, Hey, I'm trying to do this exercise. I'm like trying to find a deeper acceptance and belonging of myself. And I think it'll help me endure rejections in my life. And so can you just share with me a little bit about why uh, you're friends with me? Like how you see me, what life do I bring to your life? Um, what, what sort of, what passion, what, what things do you see in me that you want to call out in me? I think we want, we want to ask people those questions that really know us because it'll help to reflect these beautiful qualities about ourselves. And so we need to learn how to first belong to ourselves so that when we're in environments, when think when people are trying to change us or when we're tempted to change, we can come back to, oh, no, 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 that's not me. And I don't need that to be me because I'm a person that loves this. 
and I'm a person that has this kind of personality and that is beautiful. That is how God formed and shaped me. And by going against that, I'm moving away from the beloved identity that God so uniquely created within me. And I want to so be attached to that beloved identity because it is unique and perfect and beautiful. And that's what he calls it. And to move away from it is to move away from God in a way. So how can I stay rooted to that beloved identity? So man, girl, yeah, uh, that has been journey for me just personally I think it is a constant journey for us but I think if you're listening right now and you're having if you're struggling to know what it is that makes you beautiful and unique and wonderful you need to get on a journey of finding that and discovering that because man it is so freeing when we can come into true beautiful godly confidence about who he created us to be and why he created us this way and just own it in our everyday lives yeah. Yeah. Just yes. that security and knowing who we are and we're not just tossed from side to side yes. every rejection that comes our way. Um, so for the woman mm. listening that just is like maybe just recently rejected in some way or just really still feeling the sting of it. What, what's the lasting takeaway that you yeah. want to share um, with her In today? the wake of rejection, it's not going to feel rosy and fun and wonderful. It is going to be painful. And I know that, and I want to want them to know that I'm with them in that. Uh, I wrote this book on rejection and late in 2020, I actually got broken up with. (laughs) So even this whole message of rejection isn't lost on me in such an intimate way, because I'm walking through the healing of that rejection right now. But I just would encourage those listening that you may not see it today, But if you can press into the hope that God has for your life, the expectation of future good, you will see that God will redeem this through time and reveal things in your heart and your mind and your life that you never thought were even possible. You'll come to learn more about yourself in ways that you needed, that you never knew you needed, but you needed. You'll come to know God and the intimacy of his character and his love for you in a way that you need that is so beautiful in your life. God may stir up a passion within you. Maybe it's the moment that you step out and you create something new or you start something new that is burning in your heart or becomes a burning desire in your heart that you never knew possible. I just believe that rejection can So in so many ways, create us into the people that we were really designed to be. And that seems counterintuitive because how does pain make us into a better person? But I actually believe that experiencing pain and allowing ourselves to feel the weight of it and press through it with endurance and fight for ourselves in the future will transform us into beautiful, amazing human beings. And, um, for the one listening that is like, well, Kate, how do you, I don't even think, I don't even, I can't even imagine how God will use my pain and turn it into some sort of purpose. Friend, I'm telling you what, that is what, how I started my whole ministry was in the wake of a heartbreak. And maybe you're not going to start a ministry, but maybe you're going to be the shoulder that somebody needs in their moment of their darkest hour. One of the biggest gifts that maybe you can shower to somebody else is going to be empathy is going to be making them feel seen and heard and not alone. Maybe you're going to be the person that has experienced abuse and has learned to fight for yourself and heal through that. And now you have eyes to see somebody who's in an abusive relationship and come by them and support them and help them through that. Man, that is going to be transformative for their life. So I promise you that as you press through this, it's not easy, but it will 
God will redeem it. He will make beauty from ashes through time if you continue to press into his heart. Um, and I say that as a woman who like literally got broken up with just a few months ago. So I feel you, girl. Like I know the weight of how painful that can be, but I'm already seeing glimmers of how he's using that in my life today. Um, I'm already seeing glimmers. I don't know the full picture. I don't know if I'll, I don't know when I'll know the full picture of how God's going to redeem that. I may not. He doesn't promise we'll know all of that, but I can already see glimmers of it. And I promise each and every day it will get better. Keep fighting for yourself on the journey. Uh, That is really, really good wisdom. And I think, you know, so much of what we think is um, maybe him withholding from us is really protection. And I think you're so right that we just never really know um, for a very long time, but we mm. just have to trust that he's, he's faithful. And something that I've been hearing as a common thread throughout this conversation is that how important other people are yes. <laughs> in this journey alongside of us, that people can, we can spur one another mm. on through encouraging words and support. And so each week, Kate, I like to give a love offering challenge that women can implement based yes. on this week's podcast conversation. So based on our topic of rejection today, how would you challenge the woman listening? I love to that. Be well, a love offering. Um, I think the first thing you can do is provide a love offering for yourself <laughs> by, you know, really reflecting on the ways in which yeah. you've rejected yourself or you've been stuck in rejection. What are the ways in which rejection has hit you so much that it is leaving you to question everything about yourself? Maybe today is the day that you start giving yourself an extra dose of love. I say this in my book, but that we have to find ways to love ourselves so that we don't lose ourselves. If we don't truly and deeply come to terms with deep and true love for ourselves and how God uniquely formed and created us, we will lose ourselves in the world of all the rejections and all the pains and all the influences. So what is it that you can do to provide love for yourself today? Maybe if you just were in a rejection, maybe you also need to love on yourself extra and do something just beautiful for yourself this week or this month. Um, I think that is so beautiful because nobody knows what we need in these moments, except for us. Nobody has the keys to what our heart really is desiring except for us. So what is it, my friend, that you can do to shower yourself this week right now with so much love? I know that's like, maybe it's an internal love, but I think it's so important that we, um, do that love offering just even for ourselves right now in the wake of rejection. Yeah. And then I think once that happens, like you were saying, when we on the opposite spectrum, whenever you're like self-rejecting, then you're able to, when you feel um, that confidence in yourself and what God has placed in you, then that then goes and extends outward. And so, yeah, it's got to start with God. It's got to start with us and then then, then push it outward. So, um, so Kate, how can we stay connected with you? Yeah, I would love that. Come join me on Instagram at, at Kateness or at Heart of Dating. We have a podcast called Heart of Dating, a Facebook group with like almost 5,000 singles in it. So come and join us there. Uh, my book, you can get it at thankyouforrejectingme.com or, you know, wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, you can get it primed to your door, which is great. Two-day delivery. Um, I'm so excited. Would love to connect with anybody who um, it connected to this message today. I we I just love... Um, my community and I love meeting more people. So come on over. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Kate Warman. We hope that you are able to have some hope and some healing after any of rejection that you have experienced, but to also trust that there is more in store for you, that God is not going to leave you in that rejection, but he has a purpose for your pain. This week, our love offering is to reflect on the ways that you have self-rejected and to give yourself a love offering because the Bible says that we are to love the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. And so how are you loving yourself? And as Kate says, if you don't love yourself, then you won't lose yourself. And so in order to love other people well, the way that God intends us, we also have to love ourselves. If you're interested in show notes, you can connect with me over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rachel Adams Author. We can also connect over at my website at rachelkadams.com, where you can subscribe to receive my weekly love offering newsletter. That way you don't never miss an episode, you never miss a blog series that would go all straight to your inbox. If you have not yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the Love Offering podcast, I would so appreciate if you would do that in just on your favorite listening platform so more women can find this Love Offering message. Next week, my guest is Susie Ellers. Susie is a Proverbs 31 Ministries writer and, and the author of many books, but this latest one that we are talking about is Joy Keeper. So many of us are looking for joy, and so she is going to reveal the secrets to keeping that joy. I can't wait for you to tune in again next week, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week. Thanks so much for tuning in, and as always, remember to lead with love. Thank you.